This is the Stockton San Joaquin County Public Library. We are now offering Chromebooks and hotspots, including charging cables, for checkout. All kits come with an easy to carry bag and are available at your nearest SSJ CPL branch. Check for availability by calling 209 937 8221 or check out the online catalog at SSJCPL.org. Hey, and welcome back to the Goodreads Virtual Book Club. I'm Brianna, and joining me is Jasmine. And this month we were huge. This month we read uh, Cultish by Amanda Montel, and we're just going to get straight into it. What'd you think? I liked it. I liked it. I liked, um, I really wanted to dig in more into it. I, I, I again, listened to the um, audible version of it because I don't ever have time to sit down and read. And I really wanted to sit down and read this. I got the actual print form. And I was telling you, I got it on Kindle. I got it in print. I wanted to highlighting. I wanted to write in it. Just, but it was really good. It was fascinating how the use of language can, I don't want to say manipulate, but really form people's decisions. I mean, definitely. I think manipulate is a good word. I think language, depending on how it's used, is definitely manipulative and can like literally lead to, to life or death consequences. Yes. So I really enjoyed the linguistic aspects too, but like the whole sociology and psychology of like group mentality. Because um, I really found it interesting. The part was it the was it I think it was Heaven's Gate, like the hive mind mentality. And it seemed like a lot of different groups and things that she talks about. Like it's definitely kind of a a hive mind mentality that this different use of language gets everybody to kind of think on the same page and not question anything. I mean, there's more to it and we'll go more in depth into it, into all of the Oh no, do not start. We'll get more into it. We do not want to start that because that's what she did. The whole book, we'll get more into it in this chapter. We'll get more into yep. more on that. I, that's like the worst part of this book was the more in that like sidelines. I'm like, stop it. It was. I just wanted to see if you, if you would pick up on that. <laughs> Oh, I, I listened to your language. <laughs> but yeah, that is one annoyance is like, it's almost some, in some chapters, it's like every other sentence where she'll be like, and we'll talk more about that in part four. We'll talk more about that in part six. We'll talk more about this person later. And it's like, yeah. okay. You have to just really gloss over that to get through it. Because you're like, I know you're going to talk more about it because you're in the intro. I have a whole book to read. <laughs> but it'll, it's like even in the different like part, yeah, chapter parts, it'll be like, more on that later. Like, okay, Agreed. you could have left that out, but okay. Of people who don't want to go against the grain. Mm-hmm. And so even if you're thinking in your mind, and she talks about how your brain will be telling you one thing, but then you go against it because you're, your other, like there's another part of your brain going like, no, it can't be that bad. It can't do that. You know, so like, what is that experiment when everyone's saying like there was five lines, but there's really like four? Mm-hmm. But then, you just kind of go with the majority rules and you're like, okay, I see five, even though you really see four. Because you don't want to be out it. You don't want to be out. You don't want to be, you don't want to be the other, which is a big thing. It is. And I mean, I think that's, that's the biggest 
topic thing that she hits on is like as human beings, we all strive to have some sort of connections with other people or other things that'll bring us, you know, either spiritual awakening or we'll learn something new or bring something into our lives that we feel like we're missing. And so Jasmine and I were talking about it right before we started recording, but everybody there everything is a little bit cultish. Do you still have that passage marked out? Uh about how we we end up being cultish because um we want to be here on earth for a reason. It says all kinds of research points to the idea of the humans are social and spiritual by design. Our behavior is driven by desire for belonging and purpose. We're cultish by nature. That one? Yeah, that one. Which yeah. I think is true in a, in a way. He's like, as humans, we are always seeking something, whether to improve ourselves or to gain new knowledge or different knowledge or to butt up against something that we don't agree with. Uh, you know, we're always seeking kind of like-minded people to be friends with, you know, to, and this, our natural inclination is, as humans to seek can lead some people to seek things that end up being not so great for them. And yeah, I mean, you want to be in a group. I mean, everyone, it is human to want to be social. I mean, mm -hmm. you've seen experiments where people are like, you have to be alone for so long. And people go, what is it? The naked and afraid show, right? When their partner <laughs> goes away and then these people just completely lose it because they're like by themselves and loneliness. What did she say? Loneliness it was an epidemic in 2018. Yeah. It was uh -huh. proven. <laughs> and then we have COVID, which did not help anyone's loneliness problems. No. Um, so yeah, we want to be social, but cult leaders and people who want to capitalize that are using certain trigger languages or what she calls loaded language to really take advantage of those people who seek those connections or need those connections. Yeah. And I think, um, well, in a lot of cases that she talked about, she talked about Jim Jones, she talked about Heaven's Gate, she also talked about MLMs and fitness fads and different things but they all kind of attract people with their loaded language and then they love bomb people so you know they're like oh you're so amazing you're so great everything you do is amazing and then you're like oh wow I feel really valued like this you know this seems like something I would really like and that's when it starts to get different and then they start using these things called like thought terminating um I don't that remember Thought terminating cliches. Thought terminating cliches that'll, like, as your brain is telling you, as it starts to get deeper and deeper, and they're starting to do things that you're like, hmm, that doesn't seem right. This doesn't quite mesh with what I believe in. They can use these thought terminating cliches, and immediately you'll stop thinking about that. Well, they gaslight you. It just stops you. Basically, yeah. Yeah. You're the crazy one. I mean, everyone else is going on with it. It's your problem. So, and then people will start thinking, oh yeah, it could be me. I'm not doing what's right. If I did this better, then I would ascend or I would earn more or I would be more fit, you know, whatever, whatever a little cultish thing you're into, mm -hmm. which is fine. I mean, there are some, and she said, there's some cultish things that are fine. Like if you have a yoga class that you're super into and it has a little following, that's okay. That's healthy for you. The Jim Jones of it all, not so much. 
Not so much. And it was interesting in the very beginning when she was trying to like even just define the word cult and how there is no definitive definition of the word cult and cult in itself is loaded language because we when we think of the word cult, we automatically think of like Jim Jones or Heaven's Gate, like the worst possible cases of a cult, because that's what the media has kind of put together with the word cult. And so it's what sticks in our minds is the worst possible scenario. But like there's also like a cult of soul cycle or a cult of Tupperware. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't genuinely think of those things as cults because it's not death and destruction and mayhem well it kind of is but we would think of it the mlm like lulu LaRoe, because of all all the all the stories that have come out out of that from like the bankruptcy yeah and all the litigation i did want to say uh that there is a saying that came out of this book that i didn't know was so triggering and I've used it. I think everyone else has used it in the world. Like, don't drink the Kool-Aid or I drank yeah. the Kool-Aid. And I was like, I never really thought about it and how triggering that could be. Right. One, and since it was flavorade. Yes, and not Kool-Aid. Flavorade should take the blame. Is it still around? <laughs> I don't think uh, so. Watch it, uh, But yeah, like, I don't know anyone who's been in the Jonestown experiment or cult, but to say, you know, I drank the Kool-Aid and that could trigger somebody to have some really harsh feelings, that would be very upsetting for me. So I feel like that's something I I want to take out of my vernacular. Yeah, and I think it's become so commonly used, like, oh, well, this person drank the Kool-Aid, like, they succumbed to this peer pressure or, you know, they decided they're finally going to buy this thing. And really, it had it was such an astronomical, horrific event for all of the families of the almost a thousand people that died. And um, especially because a lot of them didn't drink the Kool-Aid. They were no, forced they were the Kool-Aid. Uh, and a lot of she, the author, Amanda Montel, does interview some surviving members uh, or family members of people that were in Jonestown and how they view that phrase. And I mean, no surprise, like it is extremely triggering for them. Like they, yeah, they don't want to, you know, they don't want something that was so horrific and completely changed the course of their life path to be a joke. Basically. Yeah. And I think the probably the most important thing that comes out of this book is that the words you use matter. And how yes. you use. Yes. The words you use matter and the way you use your words matter. Because words can hurt. Words can really hurt people. I mean, we grew up on the phrase, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt us. And yet we're learning constantly that that's not true. Words no. hurt. We need to be mindful of how we speak to everybody and, and what our intentions are when we speak. Yeah, because words, words are really powerful. I mean, words and language is how we form connections with others and how also how we perceive others, too. Um, I, you know, obviously, if somebody's a great orator and they're speaking in all of these big words and things, you're like, wow, that person must be really smart. 
because of the language that they're using. Uh, so I think words, you know, and the way you use your words can really form people's perceptions of you as a person. Yeah. Do you, did you see any words, and by see, I mean read, did you read any words um, that you saw that kept sticking out? Uh, I saw like vibrations. A yeah. Lot. Yeah, and like, in, dif- if, in different ones, vibrations, or, like these new age speak yeah. that you talked about. The new, yeah, the new speak. And I was like, yeah, if anyone came up to me talking about vibrations, I would be uh, pretty leery of them. I did think it was funny when she was talking to the psychotherapist um, about this like Instagram cult guy who was like, had these said he was like a quantum physicist and all of this stuff. Oh. And she was like, you can you can just ask me for like some quantum physics mathematics and have him answer it. And if he can't, then he's full of garbage. Yes. Like here, just we can um we can lift a mask off. Yeah. Like and she, and prove she, it. Yeah, exactly. Which I feel like a lot of people should do no matter what gotta take a lot of what people say with a grain of salt you know you do um, it's, it's it isn't I mean it's like I basically all of these people all of these entities it's fascinating they follow the exact same format to get people to follow them or believe in them or give them money and it works on yeah. so many different people well, she even said in like one of the beginning of her chapters that we've been conditioned to listen to middle-aged white men and think that what they say is is holier than thou and gospel and correct and true. Mm-hmm. And a lot um, of that has to do with modern newscasting and who's yes. been our newscasters. Walter Cronkite. Mm-hmm. But, you know, all of those old school newscasters who, you know, yep. you're told to implicitly and explicitly believe everything they told you. And they were all middle-aged white men. That is true. I agree. So for the, she had that one, uh, was it Till Swan? But she was a middle-aged white lady. That whole thing sounds wild. Like, there were a couple people, and they're like, social media s influencers quote-unquote that are creating these new agey cults of their own but these cults are basically influencing people to commit suicide like saying like death is wonderful and they're getting these people who are kind of on the border um, with whatever is going on in their personal lives and pushing them over the edge so they commit suicide I think it was interesting, too, because she brought up, um, I can't remember the name of the young lady that got convicted um, by convincing oh, her boyfriend to commit suicide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it Michelle Carter? Michelle? That's right. I'm thinking. Uh, I can look it up while we talk. Um, I want to say Michelle Carter, but. But yeah, like how and, you know, how that case really brought to light how powerful your words can be. How powerful your words, the words that you choose and the phrases that you say to trigger someone else, like how powerful those can be. And they can cause somebody to commit a, you know, a devastating act 
that they probably normally wouldn't have done if you hadn't have used those specific words the way you did. Yeah, it's Michelle Carter. Uh, So in that same line, then, would these cult leaders uh, or influencers, I hate that word, uh, be also charged with um, aiding in someone to suicide? Like, just like she was. I feel like they should be. I feel like the Teal Swan lady, for sure. And the, um, the other one that she talked about towards the end that has his own weird Instagram cult or something. But I'm basically, they were telling these followers who implicitly believed everything that they told them about everything and paid, you know, thousands of dollars to see them or meet them in person telling them that death is wonderful, death is great, death is like the next big thing. And they committed both, both, they had multiple followers commit suicide. I feel like if they're going to preach that, then maybe they should do it. I mean, put your money where your mouth is. You go do that. Show us. Come back as whatever you think you're going to come back as. I was going to say something I forgot. My goodness. The brain's not working so well today. This is a pretty, it's a small book, but it's like pretty dense. There's, it, it reads kind of like a, like a narrative nonfiction type of fluff piece, but there's so much uh, intent, like there's so much research packed into it that it's, it's pretty, it gets pretty dense. And there's so many different research perspectives that she presents that you really have to like think over and you want to research yourself. Because it's fascinating. It is. And I like it was it was written like you were talking to her. It was. As yeah. If you're having a conversation, it is not too highbrow. It is not too uh, baby down. Uh, it's not like you're reading like it's to a child. It's just like if you're having a lunch conversation and she was just going over these ideas and she breaks it down from like the most deadliest cults to the most, you know, and well, the last two weren't very nice, but you know, where it's like an L, uh, MNLL, MLM, hard, hard to say. A little bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a good book. I will say that. I wish I, like almost the nonfiction books, I really wish I could get more into it, like just really deep dive. I started to. But then it's, life happens. It's pretty dense, though. Like, it doesn't seem that way because you're right. It is very conversational in tone. And it's written, like, it's very breezy. And so you don't think it's going to be as academic as it actually ends up being. But she presents so many different theories about psychology and sociology. And you're like, oh, wow, I never thought about that. Like, one of my favorite ones that she talked about was that system one versus system two thinking and how basically all of the experiences you have in your life kind of inform your system one thinking, which is your like automatic thinking. If you see something, you immediately have a thought about it. And I think immediately I thought of like the Nigerian prince scandal of the 2000s, how some people immediately got that email and were like, oh, that's a scam. No, thank you. And some people got that email and were like, oh, I should send this person money. That's the right thing to do. 
And then there's system two thinking that's fairly new because we've never really had to have it before. That's a little bit more critical thinking. So it's like the slower thought process where you think something over over a period of time. It's not as immediate. And that allows you to kind of tackle something a little bit longer and think about it more in depth before you make a decision. But yeah. you, sometimes you still end up making the same decision as you would have with your system one thinking. Yeah. But she also says like, she, she pointed out that people who are typically optimistic, and I pointed out to, to you when we were talking earlier, that this would not happen to us because we are not optimistic people at all. Um, yeah, she said they, like, they if would you're not, in a happy target, mood. Yeah, they would target you more because you're more uh, willing to believe things and open mm-hmm. to things yes. versus people who are more pessimistic or closed off and not willing to listen. Yeah, which think, was fascinating. Like, basically, grumpy people are more analytical. <laughs> like, you're less likely to believe what somebody's selling we're, you. We're already sick of the world and the news, and we're just like, nope, nope, You, I don't believe anything you're telling me at all. Uh, I agree, because I'm married to a very grumpy person. I'm a grumpy person myself. And we don't like was, to go on. No, it was cool, too, when she talked about what's going back to the system one, system two thinking. Uh, when the experiment that was presented was like, you're at a carnival and this person's going to give you $5. You can take the $5, you can walk away, or you can spend this, give the $5 back, spin this wheel and like double your money. And how many people are like, just taking the $5 versus, no, I'm going to spin the wheel and see what happens. And you can yeah. see this in like, even just, you know, in gambling, like people have, intrinsic personality traits in them based on a whole range of factors that make up our personalities. Well, she also points out, because a lot of people have this uh, misunderstanding that people who are in cults have to be, I don't want to say dumb, but I'm going to say dumb, are, uh, you know, non-intuitive, dumb, mm-hmm. you know, super naive, super naive, you know, but they're not. And that's not who they're looking for. They're looking for the people who are top earners, who are really going to stick it out, who are smart, because those are the people that give it their all and are really go and go, if I do this next step, if I do this next step, like are really are like um, overachievers. Mm-hmm. And that's who they want. It was really cool. Um, well, I shouldn't say cool, but like very fascinating intellectually when she interviewed one of the top recruiters for the Mooney. Um, the cult in the 70s uh, and that's exactly what he said was like you know these were the people that I would look out for like these were the types of recruits that we would want because they could recruit other people yeah were, were those people that were determined and very smart um, and very passionate yeah because they'd be more enthusiastic and when you show somebody that you're enthusiastic about something that catches on. Like if I go like, this book was really good. You should totally read it. Uh, Versus my goodness, this book was amazing. You should read it. Which one are you going to want to listen to? The first or the second one? My first one, you'd be like, you don't sound like this book was amazing at all. (laughs) This doesn't sound Uh, good. Yeah, you're lying to me. Versus the second one, you're like, oh, I can feel what she's saying. 
Yeah, I did think it was interesting too. And it was pretty much across all of these different types of cult groups, whether it be these deadly cults like Heaven's Gate and Jonestown, all the way up to like Soul Cycle, how they get you, you know, they trap you, they love bomb you, the all this thought terminating uh, cliches, but they always have some elusive goal that you're trying to reach that you're never going to reach. You're never going to get there. Like you have to take the, you know, you think that this is the final class and then I'm done. It's like, nope, you've just unlocked a new level. <laughs> now you yeah. have to keep going because what there's said more. About in like in Scientology. And I think we saw that in any, the documentaries in Nexium. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, that's how they get their run of you. That's how they get their, their, that's how they keep you. That's how they get their money. I mean, that's, that's a cult. That's a cult. And it's crazy too, just speaking of Nexium, like how much Nexium stole from Scientology. Like just yeah. the basic structure of their classes and things. I mean, you and can actual see. legitimate words. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I thought I thought Rainier was a genius. He apparently was not. He stole everything from L. Ron Hubbard. Um, yeah, you could see the correlations with each cult leader and how they kind of use things off of other ones mm-hmm. or use the same kind of language, which when I first voted for this book, I will say that I apparently glossed over the language <laughs> part of the title and all I saw was cult and I was in and then I started reading I was like oh this is half this is the language of the cults okay yeah I'm great at reading guys but anyway, um, that's another thing she talks about with this specific language that a lot of cults use is it creates like an othering. So there's like an us, the cool people, and a them, the people we don't want to be with anymore. And that really cuts your ties with the outside world. So basically all you're getting is confirmation bias. So even if your brain is like, "Mm, this doesn't seem right, the only thing you're getting is confirmation bias from every single person around you. Yes, and that's like a big thing where in Scientology and in uh, Nexium, you could see that, it's a it's a us versus them thing. And if they're not going to join, you need to cut off them. You know, family, friends, children, mm-hmm. uh, parents, all of that, which I mean, I find mind boggling because as you pointed out in the end, there are cultish like uh, activities. Like I think she was doing a, a yoga class mm-hmm. and it's looking out for the people that they're serving not the person that there is being served like you know not the um not the leader of it she wants to help the people around her she right. doesn't want the people around her to help her you know and so I feel like a lot of people should probably read this book but if you can see that someone's trying to break you away from your family and friends like an abusive relationship uh, you should probably take a step back and really think about uh, what's going on. Use that system to thinking. Yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty though. We don't it, ever see isn't anything. It? We don't see it while we're in it. No, you really don't. I, like another one of the really big points that she brought up 
to do with language was how so many cults use very cult-specific language or cult-specific abbreviations that mean nothing to anybody outside of the cult. Um, and that's true pretty much across the board, like CrossFit, Soul Cycle, Heaven's Gate, Scientology. They all have these, like Scientology going clear. Like the word clear means so many different things, but to Scientologists, it means one specific thing. Yeah. And then, oh, I read the conversation that like a Scientologist would have with another Scientologist. <laughs> and you're like, what is this? Also, like how this person treated their partner and like I gave them a harsh talking to or a harsh reality. And then I expect them to do this. And then I had to evaluate them. I'd be like, absolutely not. Yeah. If, well, and then it's like if you're you determine that your partner doesn't pass this evaluation, then they're like a I can't remember what the specific term is, but like a destructive person, you got to cut them out because they're yeah. a danger to to this group. Be- because they might have gotten into some black PR, you know, so something that says something bad about the cult, and then now they like have an understanding of what they're in, and like they're getting uh what is it the rose-colored glasses are coming off and you can't have that because if your glasses come off then your glasses will come off and then it's a train reaction everyone's like well why am I in this cult basically I thought it was really fascinating too I can't remember the lady's name but she was one of the very few surviving people of Jonestown and then she joined like three cults after Jonestown. Oh, yeah, because she wanted to be part of a community. And she said she would still join one. She wants to be part of a community as long as there's no leader and there, it's diverse. Yeah. It, I think some people really, maybe something happened in their past or maybe it's just something inside them really want to connect with other yeah, people. Very much so. And, they and feel like there might be a in her like she really wanted to make a change in in society and like the way we perceive people and she really wanted to connect with other people in order to see that come to fruition and that's kind of what Jim Jones did when he got her into the cult is he love bombed her and basically told her everything that she wanted to hear and changed his language to match with hers yeah, he changed his language to match to each person he was really trying to talk to. What bothers me about Jim Jones, I mean, other than everything, is that he would take activism, things that people are trying to change for good, like the Black Panthers, mm-hmm. um, you know, women's rights, and he would use it to gain his followers. Yeah. Um, and, like, then, you know, take him to uh, Jonestown. And now they're living in squalor and everything. And they're not making any changes from where they were, you know? No. And that's really what they wanted. And, like, kind of what I didn't know about the whole Jim Jones thing in Jonestown was how they weren't even allowed to talk to each other when they were there. Like, they had these things called, like, quiet time. But basically, it was Jim Jones would, like, sermon, give a sermon or talk over these speakers. And nobody was allowed to when he was speaking and they basically played almost all the time so nobody was allowed to talk to each other but if nobody's allowed to talk to each other 
then no, but you can't really think on all of these terrible things that are happening. And, you know, you can't commiserate with other people. And then you can't. You can't form a plan to get out. Exactly. Which is what he he wanted. Oh, man. That was a harsh chapter. That was a harsh chapter. Because it's it's Jonestown and then it's like Heaven's Gate, um, which was the next big cult mass suicide group. Yeah. Um, just you know just as sad and mind-boggling um mm-hmm. and i think what's different about heaven's gate than jonestown jonestown most of those people did not want to commit what jones said was a revolutionary act of suicide they did not want to do that they were forced to do that but in heaven's gate they all did it willingly yeah yeah they all thought excellent their vehicle was going to bring them to the next phase they really did. They're going to be able to inhabit like better alien bodies. Like if aliens were here, they probably wouldn't want us. Like, no, you don't get my body. Get I mean, out of here. probably not. <laughs> like we've got better technology and everything else. We're you guys good don't to know. Go. Yeah. Get, get out of here, human body. Go. But I think with Heaven's Gate, too, a lot of it was that being completely closed off from the outside world, like they weren't allowed to talk to anybody outside of the group. Um, yeah, and they couldn't, one guy had a fight to keep his job outside of the, outside of the group. Mm-hmm. How do these people expect to make money? Like, I understand you're living in a commune all to yourselves, but it's not self-sustaining. Like, no. unless it... I mean, they found it on Jonestown. It couldn't be. They couldn't grow their own vegetables or food because they bought uh, not very good land. Um, You know, Heaven's Gate was still, it was still in the United States, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They weren't on a a farm. They were, like, in town. Yeah, they had, like, a mansion. Yeah. If you're not self-sustaining, you... You got to still go out and make money to buy the food to keep you guys alive. You know? Yeah. You're true. It's crazy. This it book was, was crazy. It was, a, it was a ride. I enjoyed it. It was the a MLMs, ride. The MLNs were so like, yep, mm-hmm, I agree. They're very cold. I mean, I remember the MLNs. I remember um, my cousin's wife was selling LuLaRoe when it was like a huge fad thing mm-hmm. and trying to get everybody to also sell it, which is the whole point. Cause like that's yeah. the point of pyramid schemes, right? Is you have to, the more and more people you can get cause you promise to make all of this money, but the only one making the money is the person at the top of the pyramid. Yep. Oh yeah. And boss babe. Uh, really playing on the moms who want to help with, because in society we have moms need to be at home and raise their kids like, you know, they don't have a job or work like they don't have kids. Mm -hmm. A whole bunch of pressure on moms nowadays. And so they want to help out. And people are going and preying on those women, uh, you know, to get them to, you know, upsell or get on their up, their downline. So you're paying into their upline. I think too, like the crazy thing for me is how the rhetoric of MLMs hasn't changed since Tupperware. 
since like the 30s. Yeah. Like they're still targeting the same people, basically using the same types of rhetoric, just with slightly updated words. But yeah, it's the same thing. You're playing on somebody's emotions. Stay at home with your kids and make money versus heaven forbid you go out of the home to make money to help your family and your kids are watched by somebody else or heaven forbid you watch your kids like you can't win you're losing everywhere and so they're like well we have this win-win situation you stay home and you watch your kids and you make money hey guys you could get rid of that millionaires yeah instagram's full of them look at how much i made like that's you boo basically and it's like you know you see those ads everywhere right like Mm -hmm. do you want to work from home do you want to make a thousand dollars a week well you can do it by selling you know this protein powder yeah this makeup product this whatever we got going on these days and you know again with that system one system two thinking a lot of us look at it and we're like that's a scam no thank you yeah but then some of us look at it and we're like oh well that sounds exactly like what i want yeah or even um when she interviewed that one girl from her hometown who knew the thing like the weight loss thing that she was getting into was a scam but tried it anyway well, yeah, she wanted to lose weight and she, but and make money. she even, she said, yeah, I knew it was a scam. And luckily enough, my mother-in-law was okay with me to just bow out, which isn't the case in a lot of, of these Mm-mm. where you just get harassed. Yeah. Harassed by everybody, you know, and then like two, I think that's the other terrible part about calls, especially when you've been so ensconced in one for so long is then you get out and you have no connections anymore. You have no friends anymore because all of your friends, all of your connections were in that cult. Yeah. And everybody drops you. Which is another way, another tactic that they keep you in. Yeah. You know, you don't have any friends, you're going to be alone. Also, you've alienated yourself from all the people of your past, your family, so they're not going to want you back, which is typically a huge lie i'm pretty sure anybody's family would be like i open arms like we'll take you back anytime and that's just and it just keeps on circling and circling and circling mm-hmm. one thing that we failed to mention that i just remembered is the author father was in synonym growing up and that kind of started her fascination with cult in cultish language um, is the stories that her father would sit, tell about Synanon and his times with Synanon. And they had um, this, like, I guess practice, but it was like, they called it like a game, but basically you would just call somebody out on every possible thing you could think of as like a way of quote unquote constructive criticism, but it was just straight nasty. Mm-hmm. And that you was break a bonding, yeah, and break them down as like a bonding moment. And yeah. a lot of cults do the same thing. Yeah, it's like, oh, we're going to, we're telling you, quote unquote, the truth about what you need to know about you. Um, and it's just, just hurtful. 
Also, yeah. I love that her dad is so open. He's like, yeah, this is a cult. I was in a cult. This is about all about cults. And then they go to a timeshare, like, presentation, and, like, they're ready. They're like, nope, absolutely not. We're coming in here for whatever free meal we're getting, and we're out. We are not for you. And she uses that information for when the Scientology, quote-unquote, kidnaps her yeah. and takes, takes her into a meeting. And, like, and she stood up and said, we are not your target audience. I'm like, that is such a good saying. It is. The back of my back of my head. If I ever, if they ever see I'm happy and optimistic and like, oh, she's the one. Not your target I'm audience. Not. I'm not your target audience. Keep on walking. I think that was something that was also kind of mind blowing in that specific chapter was how pervasive Scientology is in Los Angeles and also different cults of fitness all over yeah. Los Angeles, like how pervasive it is and like how many ties there are to each and it seems like every facet. Well, it says LA. So LA has like a Scientology, obviously, and then the cults of the fitness cult. But it also says Utah because of yeah. the Mormon community. So is one of their yeah, is one of their best because they they're they're already used to that. They're already used to no, I don't want to say upselling their religion. Um, but they used to like proselytizing and going out and talking about yeah. their religion and trying to get other people to learn. Yes. Uh, I would say that's about the Jehovah Witnesses too, but I don't, they shouldn't really mention them. Um, but yeah, so Utah and LA. I mean, LA is all about what's new, what's next, and then, and being in that kind of circle mm-hmm. to stay to stay updated because I mean it's where all the celebrities are so it's not I mean they call it La La Land for a reason that they do that they do <laughs> but I just thought that was kind of crazy because she was talking about herself and and uh, trying to be after friends I mean they didn't really get kidnapped by Scientology but they went to take the Scientology personality quiz thing that was super invasive and made both of them uncomfortable. Yeah. And then they, well, and they separated them too to do it, which I think set off alarm bells in each of their brains. And then they were going to go in a separate room after that. And they're like, nope, 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 nope. But if they had yeah. gone on to that separate room, they would have been shown a video about Scientology and then signed up for a course and that would have been the, the slippery slope down. Well, her friend did sign up, right? Her friend did go into Scientology. I didn't think she did. Did she? No, she did. Yeah, she did for like a decade or something. She got out of it. But she, yeah, she went, she slid down that slide, man. Slippery slope. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta get out. She She left with her but she went back. Not, I don't know if she went back to the blue suit guy. But she had went back and like she because she wants to be an actor mm-hmm. and to use those actors to Tom get her. Cruise, but yeah, it was she, was this yeah. yeah, she she went back for a little bit, and then they kind of tanked her acting career. This is crazy, and I think too. She Amanda Montel mentions like the true power of a cult is if it can withstand 
going on without its leaders, like yeah. without its original founders. Um, and a lot of them do, Scientology being one of them. But like a lot of them continue on, even though that original person is gone. Well, isn't Heaven's Gate uh, website still up? I think the website is still up, yeah. Hasn't been updated, but like there's still people who are keeping that up. Yeah, and they had a bunch of different yoga-centric cults that their original founder had died, but like a a, a child had taken over for their parents, and it continues going forth. Yeah, the the drunk yogi. Yeah. Yeah, well, other names are hard to say. One. Yeah, that was See, pretty wild. Look at us. We're not getting into fitness, and we're staying at a cult. Look at us. We're doing great. We're doing great. Not a, not joining a cult <laughs> or a gym, or perhaps you know we join the cult of the library. Who doesn't like that one? We just read books. Great books. We have books our own that- language. That do. doesn't make sense to anybody else outside of the library. I want to say, because your husband works in computers and so does mine, I feel like they they have their own language. Because mm-hmm. he'll say stuff to me and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And they talk in, in um, uh, not anagrams, uh, abbreviations. Yes. And they talk in like, what is it where you just do those initial things? I don't know. It they me. do. And they they could say so many very technological words about, you know, specific computing operations or stuff. And But it's the same with my dad, too. Like, when he starts talking about car stuff, and I'm just like, this makes no sense to me. Yeah, because he'll start using the language while we're just having a conversation. I'm like, nope, absolutely not. You speak plain English, sir. I don't, I don't, I don't speak computer. I don't speak cars. Yeah, I don't know what you're saying. I'm not I'm not speaking book to you. So Yeah, so join our cult, the library. Enjoy it. The cult of the library. All we make you do is check out free books and you know, learn some stuff. Yeah. It's a fun time. It's a great time. I you got to be on our vibration. <laughs> Which was a word that got repeated over and over, like you said earlier. Yeah. I also don't what else uh, cultish words can we use? Do you remember any of them? I feel like there were so many, but I can't remember a single one other than vibrations. They're like higher level. They're going oh, to yeah. a higher level. Yeah, we have two stories in our library. We do. <laughs> cool. I, you know what would be awesome was if she had like a little uh, dictionary index yeah, like she uh, has a really extensive notes section at the end with all of her sources. Yes, she does. Which was cool. I was looking through it and I was like, wow. I mean, you can tell that she's really doing a lot of research because she also has footnotes too um, mm-hmm. in different things that explain it a little bit more, which was very helpful and nice. She's doing things. I love this for her. She also has a podcast. I think it's also she also cultish. is in the works to have a TV show. Ooh, that'd be interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I really would like to deep dive into this book. 
after my class, my class of the semester, I feel like just really going into it because it's it's fascinating. It really especially, is fascinating, especially because it can teach you about humans. I mean, like you said about you know the psychology and sociology of it. Oh, my headphones might be dying. Um, can you hear me? Yes, can hear you. Okay. Um, you know, and it can really teach us what to look out for, you know, when people are talking to us and if they're in a cult mm-hmm. or want or us if, to be in a cult. Yeah, or if they're looking for something that we're not willing to give them. Yeah, alternative motives. Yeah. But yeah, we... We hope you read this book. We liked it. We loved it. Was it was fascinating. Yeah. Uh, next month, we're going to be taking part in the African American Read-In. Uh, it is a national movement, so we do hope you join us. And we're going to be reading a memoir called Somebody's Daughter. Ooh. Yeah, memoir. Two nonfictions in a row. Unheard of thus far. I know. I'm changing it up here. I like I get it. kicked out of the podcast soon enough. Nope. Nope. <laughs> you suck. <laughs> All right. All right. Join us next time. Yay. Bye. Take some time to unwind with Canopy. Start streaming blockbusters, classic movies, documentaries, TV shows, and much more with your library card. Watch from any of your devices. Library patrons have four checkouts per month. Visit ssjcpl.org to get started. To stay up to date with library news, follow us at SSJCPL on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or visit our website at ssjcpl.org.